So women, on the other hand, have a, an entire orgasmic platform. Now, first of all, let's just think about how wonderful that that name is. We, we have an orgasmic platform. And our orgasmic mm-hmm. platform takes between 10 and 15 minutes to become properly aroused. So, which is the reason why... Sex that's sex. important to know. Yeah, that's why I said, yeah, well, so, but, but a lot of women, we skip the foreplay, right? Like, we're like, oh, you know what, I'm tired, I'm just going to skip the foreplay. So when you skip the foreplay, you are having intercourse with an unaroused, collapsed vaginal tubes, and, oh you my. know, <laughs> Hey guys. Hey guys, and welcome back to Herspective. Uh, just have to call out the fact that I'm face to face with Jess's giant boobs. <laughs> She's apparently it's too hot. Hot. I'm really freaking hot. <laughs> Maybe because you're wearing a huge, thick wool turtleneck sweater. Not anymore, I'm not. Well, no, no, that's for sure. You know, to be fair, there was a progression. I did just get into a bra and then I was cooking, got olive oil over it. So now I'm just bare breasted. Yeah, you're just <laughs> tits, tits out. out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, if you don't live it, you suck. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. <laughs> Words to live by I love being from naked. Jessica. <laughs> if you don't live it, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> and this is Jessica's... Uh, cooking attire while she boils a <laughs> pot of 12 eggs. I know. I stood really far back because I was scared to get tip burn. To get tip burn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I should have known because I got olive oil splatter on my bra so I would take cooking off the bra. Cooking is not your forte. Cooking's not my forte. Being naked is. It really is. Whatever. I never know what treats I'm going to encounter <laughs> when I come over to I know, record. I can't guarantee you that I will be wearing full clothes You're ever. Generally not wearing either top or bottom. Yeah. I don't like clothes. You're lucky you get one covered. I know. I, I know this. I, I, I don't really mind the nakedness. Like <laughs> It doesn't bother me. I know. It's quite nice. It's just also hilarious that you're just like, greet me, tits out. <laughs> maybe yeah and i did proceed to record the whole episode poor dr reed had no idea yeah she didn't know you were (laughs) your guns were a blazing she will very soon (laughs) yeah well it's a perfect episode to talk or to have tits out while we're talking (laughs) oh that is something that i did want to mention in the episode um Maybe sexual assault because today we 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 have a sexologist, Doctor Trina Reed, on, and we talk about sexual self esteem, and obviously we got into it, but we never talked about like feeling naked, and I love feeling naked, and maybe that contributes to it. Yeah, well, we definitely will have to have an episode about nakedness. We sure will. will be the guest expert. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about being naked all day, every day. Do you know how good it feels? Like all the positive benefits. Tell me, I've never been naked. <laughs> so easy when you have to shower, you just walk right in. <laughs> you don't waste any time. <laughs> <Trust me. laughs> okay, 
Well, this is a perfect segue to our sponsor. We want to thank. Yeah, quick. <laughs> Speaking of being naked. <laughs> we want to thank Intamo Pleasurables for supporting her perspective. Great products to use while naked. Um, <laughs> Especially while naked. <laughs> typically, you want to be naked when you're using these. Otherwise, it gets really messy. <laughs> See? Positive benefit. Exactly. They offer amazing plant-based lubricants and massage oils. You guys have heard us talk about them before. We love everything that they put out. They've recently added diffuser oils. One is Night Moves, which is actually an aphrodisiac diffuser, and Strange Magic, which is for relaxation. Uh, There also is Moon Dance, which is the pelvic pain relief oil. So for that time of the month, getting crampy, back, pelvic, Probably anything. Rub that on, and it really helps. Just it really actually pain. does. I used it uh, for my time of the month, and it smells so good. It is just overall a relaxing thing to enjoy. Yeah, it, I've used it as well, and I love it. So, you guys should totally pick up your own set of oils. They are all infused with hemp seed oil which is just known for a lot of healing and beneficial properties as it is. So head over to entamelpleasurables.com and use coupon code HERSPECTIVE20 at checkout for 20% off. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Get naked. Get naked. Use some lube. Anyways, that's our PSA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forget our real. Forget our ad. There. What we really mean to sell is being naked. Just and, nakedness. Yeah. Uh, speaking of nakedness and sexiness, uh, yep. Hot topic right now is the Curry's sexy vacay pick. Apparently, people are a little bit, you know, up in arms about because of course, PDA, yeah. Which is like, are you kidding me? Of all the fucking things on the internet, that is offensive. No, and not everybody. A lot of people are loving it and are so here for it. And they're like, yes, they're a beautiful couple. They seem genuinely in love. Obviously, we don't know them personally. But, like, we just wanted to, like, give our two cents on the picture because, obviously, it's in the media. It's on social. So, like, We have to get in on it. Yeah. But the other thing is, too, yes, a lot of people are loving it. And, and yeah, we're, like, talking it. about the people that are hating on it. Not because we're focusing on the negative, but we're, like... You fucking idiots. A husband and wife posted a picture of themselves. Like, shut the fuck up. What could you even say about it? And better yet, the husband posted, which is like not, I can't say it's not common, but I think that women definitely are the posters in in a like relationship. PDA stuff? Yeah, or like cutesy pictures. Yeah. But like, anyway, go look at it online. The Curry's vacay pick. If you Googled that, it'll come up. But basically, Steph is holding Aisha like on his hips and she's in bikini. Her legs are wrapped yeah, around Yeah, like they're just, it's very intimate. It's sexy. It's sexual. And we love it. And they're I can't fucking believe, hot. I know. And people are talking shit about like, you know, there's so much ugliness in the world. Go focus on that. Like yeah, go solve those world problems. This is a whole thing too. Like people just have far too much time on their hands to even like dissect an image like that when like literally we're at war also facing a potential like yeah. epi- health epidemic. Um, yeah. But to lighten that like part up, his, what she refers to as his eggplant <laughs> looks ah. popping. Oh my God. 
<laughs> so that's so funny that you it mentioned that because I don't charged, remember. Like your tits do right now. <laughs> well, they are large and in charge. Yeah, I'm gonna have like to go check it out. Crush my face or something. They are. Cr- I have to sleep with a pillow in between them because they're so heavy. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> big tip problems. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask Steph Curry about his big dick problems. <laughs> yeah, you guys like. You need be- a pillow to help hold that up. <laughs> He rests it on a pillow at night. He probably a special does. Yeah, I have special tip Called pillows. Called his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so hilarious. No, but I love the. Um, I love that picture. I'm so glad they look happy and in love, and they're on vacation. Like, yeah, what could anyone say badly about? Ugh, whatever. Get it? Just yeah. get it. People are stupid. And uh, so we have a fun and awesome episode today. Like I'm so excited for everyone to hear this one because. As per usual, we are talking about sex. Most of our episodes are very sex. It's weird how focused. that happens. Well, because it's like it makes the world go round. Like also, money and sex. Yeah, and and obviously one of the things that we strive to do here on our with our show is empower, uh, destigmatize things. And unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of um, stigmatization about sex still somehow a lot and of taboo stuff about it especially as it pertains to women and that's one thing that like we've noticed and I know it's been happening for years but like I guess as we become older and like more aware and like social media is just ramping up more and more every day the whole sex health and sex equality and masturbation equality movement is taking place like it's becoming more and more talked about and normalized for women which is great and we are backing that 100 percent. we think that's awesome and it's like about damn time quite frankly but just before we get into the episode like the reason we wanted to have this show and have our guest on is because while that whole sex movement is happening for women getting to that point is something that isn't like really talked about and it isn't maybe as easy as it seems for some women, for others to like feel comfortable in being sexual and like talking about sex and, and express it, yeah, and expressing yeah. it for sure. Um, so this episode, we hope, will help somebody, or people like get a little bit more comfortable with themselves yeah. sexually, and or it if- is about with themselves too. It's not really about just about like being comfortable with a partner but like in your own skin with your own body and feeling completely confident and empowered yeah and that's something that dr trina will go into like how it starts with us how it starts with the woman um to to kind of get her confidence surrounding sex in order and then it it kind of spreads into the relationship and and uh the sex life from that way and i think that's super important obviously and what matters for women yeah so to talk about achieving sexual self-esteem we have brought in our guest expert sexologist dr trina reed she is a canadian sexologist she has a number of books she does seminars conferences private talks in regards to sex health and this specifically she talks to us about achieving sexual self-esteem and we're really excited to get into it because she is fascinating and knowledgeable and knowledgeable we just want to spread her story and her information to everyone guys 
Get your pens out. Seriously, there's a part that you need to write stuff down. Literally guys, too, yeah. though. Like- well, especially guys. Girls, show your guys because this is something that I think is super important um, for for the relationship, as for sure. It, even more so for guys to understand girls' journey, finding sexual self-esteem. Yeah, it, it definitely is something that, as if you're in a partnership, like it is something to have a good, open communication about because that also will contribute to someone's sexual self-esteem and especially women knowing that they can talk about it and be comfortable talking about it and it's and just, comfortable to explore it yeah because i think you need to start figuring out how to do that and then you can start doing the exploration right it takes a bit to even get there i yeah, think definitely for some people and at the end of the day it will just equal healthier happier, i know god better more pleasurable, enjoyable sex for everybody. Happy wife, happy life. Or girlfriend. Happy yeah. wife, happy sex life. Exactly. There we go. So we'll let Dr. <laughs> Trina read, educate you and us. And us. And hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Dr. Reed. Thank you for being here with us. I'm really excited. You two are doing something really special with your podcast, and I'm excited to be a part of it. So thanks. Thanks for having me on. Aw. Thank you so much. That's so sweet to hear. Um, we're, we always love to have somebody with the expertise uh, like you do. So we are very happy to, to kind of get into this today and learn some stuff. Let's dig into it. <laughs> Definitely, yes. The goal of our episodes are usually to hopefully help at least one person uh, in some way, especially some woman specifically in some way. And I think the conversation that we're going to have today is really important because talking about sexual self-esteem, I don't think is something that is talked about regularly, especially not in mainstream society or media. And definitely in no sort of like educational way either. Yeah, I know that the big movement of women taking control and owning their sexuality and sexual preferences and and just being more sexual and being comfortable with it is happening but getting to that point is something that isn't discussed and i think it's important to maybe just help people understand how they can get there and maybe that's what is happening for some women they don't even understand or don't know that they're struggling with sexual self-esteem well, so the thing is, as you say, the empowerment movement has been happening actually for quite a number of years. Like if you look back to the 1960s, you know, women were reclaiming their orgasm and, you know, that there's been a buildup. But there's such there's so many stigmas that it's taken this many years for women to just get to the point now where we can start talking about sexual self-confidence. So I'm actually... You know, I, I'm I'm standing on the shoulders of many, many women before me who have, you know, been putting this idea forward and trying to get women to enjoy sex and be sexual and be sexy. Um, and I've been doing this for 20 years, and I'm sorry to say that not much has changed as far as women and their attitude towards themselves and their sexuality. Like I haven't seen, like in some ways I have, but in, in a lot of ways I haven't. You know, I, I give seminars all over and I give to women in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and honestly the how women are acting and reacting within their own sexual relationships and with themselves hasn't changed that much 
So I still think there's a lot of work to do. And it starts with people like you two who are doing this podcast and, and we're going to have this conversation now, right? That's that's where the grassroots starts. It's being able to have this sex positive conversation. Yeah, exactly. And it is something that we actually feel that's really important to us in our personal lives and that we want to share with people that we know and people that we don't know. But how did you decide you wanted to become a sexologist? Did, was that like your path from day one or did you kind of fall into it? Give us a little bit of background on what started you down this road. Well, when I went to university a bazillion years ago, uh, there weren't really <laughs> any options in at the University of Regina for this sort of thing. <laughs> so so I did, I you know, I have an, 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 two undergraduate degrees, one's in arts and one's in business. And I was in corporate Canada for at least 10 years. And, uh, you know, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't like something that stirred the passion in me. I just was doing it because, I, you know, there weren't a lot of options. And one day I was taking a walk with a friend and we were talking about sex and he looked over at me and I'll never forget this. He looked over at me and he said, you know, you should really do this for a living. And I looked at him and I said, you're right. I should. And like, you know, I don't know, like it was like, that's about as deep as my epiphany goes. Like I just, it was one of those, Oh, you're absolutely right. And so it, and it was interesting because shortly after that decision, I had got I got fired from my job, which was the best thing ever. And the next like I cried for 24 hours. And the next day I I said, well, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to do it. And I and I was able to get a job uh, as a corporate trainer working all over North America, you know, do, giving seminars, which helped pay for my education. And I and I just managed somehow to get into this graduate school. Uh, you know, but the stars aligned and it, it, it sort of it said to me that it was it was meant to be. And, you know, like so the thing is, I've been doing this for about 20 years now and it's never ceased to, you know, like I'm always learning. I'm still learning. And, you know, it, it, it's something that I'm passionate about. So luckily, you know, luckily yeah, I didn't have to stay. Luckily, I didn't have to stay in that nine to five job. <laughs> so the thing is, I am like so when people meet me, they're pretty disappointed because I, I think they have this idea of what a sex expert is and when they meet me I'm just I'm a mom I'm a, you know I'm just an average person and and I and I really feel that just being this average person in an average relationship with kids and all that really gives me an edge because I really fundamentally understand what the average woman is going through in her relationships, sure. right? Like, you know, and so like I, so I'm able to apply all this knowledge I have and, and learned experience, you know, and, and, you know, I, that's what my edge is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you, um, when you're, you know, as you say, an average woman or the typical woman. Which I'm sure you're not average in any no, way. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't <laughs> but, know if I like the word average. Yeah. When you're a typical woman, um, which also I want to know, like, what what do people think of as sexologists anyways? But yeah. <laughs> um, when you're a typical woman, then you can totally relate more than anything and see where kind of the holes are in the education or the whole part of sex in, for women. Well, I, it, I think you being someone who is, I don't know, I, I don't want to use the word average either, but like we are typical. in the general population of yeah. women, of North American women. And I think that brings you closer 
to the truth and the experience and therefore you're relatable the because need. you actually live it. We don't not, like Jess and I certainly aren't living some extravagant lifestyle. We're not celebrities or huge public figures. I, I just feel like and we've talked about it on one of our shows before that often sex and sexuality, especially for women, is sort of reserved and being sexy is sort of reserved for for people that are what is considered super beautiful or famous. And, and that's just not It's right. not applicable because yeah. <laughs> everyone's having sex. <laughs> and we're the people that are, we're young enough to be in this next generation. We're raising the kids that are in the next generation. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just makes you more relatable. Absolutely. And you know what, what I find interesting is there's really only a handful of people who are dealing with just an average heterosexual monogamous relationship, if you look at other sex experts and bless them, like they all have their own little niche and that's perfect, right? We all have our own Mm -hmm. niche, but the, but the, you know, average heterosexual woman is really being underserved by sexologists because most other people are, are into other things, right? At doing, helping other people like the LGBTQ community and they absolutely need you know, lots of support and help, and that's great. And but that's not my community, right? My community are heterosexual mm-hmm. women. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's a really good point. Is that you're speaking to your community, and you're right. Like lots of people are out there advocating, which absolutely is great and necessary for different groups that I think are probably still considered more of a minority group yeah, or a, yeah, like a, yeah, yeah, you know, a but, smaller group. But we are the biggest group and there isn't a ton of advocacy and education in this way available yeah no and it's never and it's always been an underserved group which i always think is astonishing right so i don't, yeah, know, yeah, I really don't know why that is but good for me good for me these are my yeah. people these are my definitely <laughs> and this is who i have a conversation with so you know that's, that's well i was gonna ask why do you think that is but you said you're not sure why I just wonder if it's because it's such a big population that it's sort of just blanketed over. Like, it's like, oh, they'll figure it out. There's so you know, many of them. You I'm know sure what? I just, I just think it's generally, I think if you're heterosexual monogamous in a vanilla relationship, I, like there's a feeling that, oh, you know, you've got it. You know, like you, you were the ones yeah, who were accepted. Yeah, that's accepted since time memorial you, you, you know you, you you guys are good like we have to work on these other people who haven't had it so good as you right so not and yeah and and also it's a hard not hard that's the wrong word it's like so what i just find with this group of women is they want to change they want to do something different but there's so much shame and stigma attached to their sexual pleasure that it it's just really difficult for them right like they want to do something but you know they just uh find her and so i you know as as a person who talks to these women um i just find that it's like push sometimes it's like pushing water up a hill if that makes sense Uh, you know trying to get them to move move from being like uh, you know, having a, a low sexual self-esteem to really going in, walking into the bedroom and expecting their needs to be met. Like, like it's like a massive yeah. jump, you know, massive jump. And, and it's, 
So I think you hit the nail on the head there where you're going. And this is kind of where your work comes in. It is not it's kind of bridging that massive jump. You're coming in and kind of getting to the root of the of some of the issues or some of the the problems here instead of being like, okay, now you have to just be open about sexuality and, and your desires. Yeah, well, so like the thing is, you know, like women, like even if you go onto my website, um, the 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 expectations around what the average person their sexuality should be, the bar is really high. So what we see in the news, and there's nothing wrong with this, but the average woman reads, you know, oh, have you found your G spot? Have you found your A spot? Do you have a nipple orgasm? Do you have multiple orgasms? Can you have a nipple and multiple orgasms? Did you know that you can orgasm during childbirth? Honestly, so these women are reading these things that are on the internet and they're like, well, what's wrong with me that I can't I can't have a nipple orgasm or I can't like I, I just don't know what an A spot orgasm is and I don't know if I'll ever get to that and there's nothing wrong with anybody you know it's just and, and so when women walk into the their sexual uh, time with very high expectations about what they should be doing and expecting and having and the sexual encounter and I and I you know I think part of the problem is it's you know they're never quite meeting what society says you know is the good way to have sex you know like yeah and you know expecting it right away too like i should be having all of these different types of orgasms at any given time i'm (laughs) having sex and i'm not having it and obviously there's something wrong with me i'm broken my body doesn't work or i'm not doing it right and you mentioned shame and stigma and that is definitely probably the number one issue is that if you aren't experiencing an orgasm at all or any of the other orgasms that may not be what is considered the, you know, the regular orgasm, like a, you think yeah. there's something wrong with you and then you immediately feel shame and you feel embarrassed and you probably recoil away from sex. Well, I think the other thing too is how do you initially even come to know about those things like yeah, yeah. it's not um typical practice and i'll speak from my own truth is a lot of things that i found i like sexually and in exp- expanding my like sexual preferences have come from things like porn and and other partners so then both of which can be considered very shameful things porn and for partners. a woman especially yeah for a woman for a woman watching so, porn and having multiple too many or what would be considered too many partners or yeah yeah more than like one yeah and <laughs> that's you know what's what I mean? great so, about you though is that you are so confident and you're comfortable and like you're a good resource for somebody who maybe hasn't had those experiences or is nervous to have those experiences or want those experiences but feels kind of shamed or embarrassed to want them but you're you're not in some everybody's circle so it's not like everybody has that friend <laughs> that they can talk to and feel comfortable and know that they're not the only ones yeah. so I mean we're talking about shame and Dr. Trina I think this is like the perfect like segue into what we really want to get into with this show is is talking about self-esteem and getting away from that shame and embarrassment um and learning how to have sexual self-esteem can we just first touch on like how in the actual hell there is shame around sex when it's something that 
we all do we all love of course we all have different preferences it's like being shamed for your for eating yeah eating or (laughs) or your preferences of food like how is that even possible can you get into that like briefly too um so this started like hundreds and hundreds of years ago where okay i'm just going to break this down quickly and simply so you know they figured that the family unit was the most the the most economical and best way for people to live and run their lives and in order for that to happen women had to uh, stay chaste to one person and so there was a lot of pressure put on women to like only be with one person to procreate with one person and if she didn't if she went outside of that there was a lot of stigma attached. So, you know, different religions and blessed religion, I'm not putting them down. There's a lot of good things about religion. Uh, but Yeah, but there's a lot of things that aren't great about it. Like, we, we know that too. So, yeah, we so not, no one is under the impression that anybody is criticizing religion. But I think it is important to say, like, a lot of negative beliefs and understandings um, do come from it as well. Yeah, so just over hundreds of years, the idea that if a woman g- goes outside of, you know, just procreation, like, so she, you know, women are just meant to procreate. They're not meant to enjoy the sex, sexual act. Right. So, I mean, these are layers and layers and layers that have been built up over many, many years. And then, well, just to say, so does that also imply they're there to procreate, but also kind of, serve be property yeah like owned. it's oh, it's the male's sex life that's important or they are at that time meant to procreate as well men or well you know there's a lot of stigmas for men as well but not as obviously not as many for women but yes it like so you know women were were basically tools for men yeah, yeah. to mm-hmm. for their pleasure and they were property women were property and they were owned and you know, and, and, you know, luckily all that has changed. But, uh, you know, when we take Amen. a look at sexual attitudes in the present day, we're still reeling over these things that have built up. And, you know, that we like, you know, if you just listen to how your mom talks and bless your mom, you know, as she's doing the best she can with what she knows. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you listen to how yeah. she speaks about sex, you know, there's all these underlying things that she's saying that are that you that probably aren't even hitting your radar that are deeply affecting your will want and desire to have sex and you know messaging from society like it's it's there and it, we, we've tuned it out because we're just so used to hearing it we don't even realize what impact it's having on our sexual self-confidence right so i mean it's getting better but it, there's still as i've already said it there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and I think even though maybe you're right in terms of like having a mother um, talk that talked about sex, but in my experience, it wasn't really talked about. Me like neither. there was no, my family are not prudes or anything. They're very like open and they obviously Expressive. had sex, so I wouldn't yeah. be here, but um, it wasn't a regular conversation. And we've again talked about just these kinds of conversations that should be ha- had from an earlier age in the home in a family unit um because i didn't really know and yeah all of my learnings came from friends 
TV. You know, I understood a man and a woman sex at like the basics in sex health, but um, I I just didn't really get it. And I, I knew that women get pleasure from sex. I mean, I watched TV um, growing yeah, up, yeah. But, it, but as an individual, it just wasn't really something that like when I became sexually active, like it wasn't the number one motivator. Like, what I would think, you say it was? I think I was having sex because you have sex. Like when you are with, like, you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever, and you just, that's what you do when you hit a certain age or like teenage years, when you think that you're ready and you think that you understand it. But in no way would I have ever had the confidence, like, you know, from, as of 17 till probably early into my 20s to feel that I deserve the same kind of sexual experience as the man who's or- clearly orgasming. Yeah, and I was too. And it, and my sex was not bad sex. It just wasn't as good as it could be. And it wasn't me at the focal point. And you're right. And I think this is another thing that's weird. I remember being with my first boyfriend. I was 14 years old. And I didn't even know that I was having like an orgasm. Like I didn't even really know what was going on there because we're so uneducated. Like we're taught in school about the female anatomy, male anatomy, the the penis goes into the vagina, but it doesn't talk about any of the emotional repercussions with sex or anything like that. Or or the benefits. Well, the, well, the yeah, the feeling, the good feelings, the you know the potential bad feelings like whatever like there's none of that is even discussed for some reason all focused on reproduction which is so absolutely no sexual self-esteem discussion happening in any of our sex ed classes which is why dr trina you are so important (laughs) and necessary because this should be incorporated in school in school it's so important to have the mental understanding yeah i can only imagine the parents having complete and absolute meltdowns yeah i know and it seems insane to have a to speak about sexual health to any sort of kid or well you know like whenever they start really? to do it in class but without talking about it emotionally but and then that's the that is the conundrum right though because parents like you said would have a meltdown oh my god don't talk to my kid about sex at such an early age and about the emotional side of it but then at the same time we don't talk about it we don't learn about it then we stumble on it whatever age you become sexually active and you are clueless for the most part Yeah. yeah in the actual act and then when you do kind of talk about it with whoever it is you're so uneducated like you're very ignorant and you think you know stuff and you don't and i just think everyone would be so much better off if these conversations were happening if there was a sexology class in at least high school maybe you don't have to bring it in well at least an elementary element of sexology like why not well you know i find that the sex educators now that are in uh high schools they are trying to get this kind of information out there they are trying to have this discussion and a, a lot of the governments are pushing back which is you know that's th- bad that's, an, that's a different discussion but like it's very progressive and the the reason governments are pushing back is because they're getting flack from parents who just uh, and and uh, it's mostly parents who are very religious so religious mm-hmm. parents don't of course want yeah. to you know, it's, well, they feel like if they have this discussion about sexual self-esteem, it's going to promote their children to want to go out and have sex. 
when in fact, you know, research and statistics show, and it's meta research, which means it's it's research that's been done over many, many, many years. So they have found conclusively that when you, the more information you give kids, the better choices they make, and the longer they will abstain from having sex. So actually, these these parents who are fighting against a more progressive sex education are shooting themselves in the foot because you know kids who don't aren't as educated go off and as you were just talking about like you're 14 and you're like well what am I doing I'm not too sure right like they stumble into these things without making educated choices about their body and what the situation is and maybe not properly using contraceptives you know like they're just they're just going with what feels right with their body at the time right and and you know it's as I said research is proven that the more you can talk to your kids about this the more sex educators in schools can talk about it about all these things not just the biology and the plumbing but the emotional aspect the better the kids are going to be at making good decisions about their own sexual self-esteem and sexual health well, I think it's like a twofold thing because not only will they have the the resources to be educated and make better decisions, it becomes less like I, I remember for me, it's like when you're a teenager and you're drinking too, it's like the rebellious fun thing to do. You want to try it. You like it becomes less of a less of a, I guess, taboo thing in that. So you're more familiar with it. And then that would make you less likely to to jump in and make bad decisions or or anything like that. Well, it's a secret and it's but yeah. that's the whole thing. Like, okay, drinking, yes, is not a great idea when you're young. We all did it, though, because exactly. Because we're rebellious why, though? teenagers. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you're not supposed to. So what do you want to do when you're not supposed to do it? Do the thing you're not supposed to do. And sex is like but that. sex is the same. But, like, sex isn't. It shouldn't be like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, and I think I would have made different decisions if I had more information. I yeah. 100% subscribe to that. Like, think of all the things that when you know, you really think and you're calculated and you make, you know, educated choices. Um, and then there's things that you don't know and you just jump into it and you're like, oh, well, I wish I had known that. I wish I had <laughs> known that. Um, but yeah, and then uh, and then add on to just being a raging or hormonal, hormonal. raging like <laughs> teenager. Yeah. You can't win. Like, you, no, you just can't. So. But at least if you're prepared with more information regarding um, you know, the actual physical acts of it all, as well as all of the emotional backing. I, I think I would feel a lot better. I think I would have made different decisions in that regard. Yeah. So I think we, you know, have definitely brought more information to that area. But I think the sexual self-esteem component is something that I still don't even know. Like, I don't know how you got how you would get there outside of in my experience just maturing and like becoming a mother and like seeing and feeling my body do many many things at like being pregnant and delivering a child and all that I mean I I I feel that I became more sexually confident long before but at that point when you're in a committed relationship for 10 plus years and have children like it's just you also have that sort of security and that safety and comfortability but Lots of people don't have that. And I'm confident and obviously, Dr. Trina, you can, I'm sure, back me up on this, that there's probably women at all different ages that are still not anywhere close to having any kind of sexual self-esteem. You know what? The, the majority of women don't, which is sad. However, however, uh, 
that's that's what we're working on. So you know, this this is one step forward for all of us women. So why why is sexual self esteem so important? Like, can you get into that explanation? Well, it's it's the the cornerstone to a woman's sexual health, sexual well being. So everything stems from her feeling sexually self-confident so it's it's not relying on your partner to make you feel good it's not relying on anybody else but yourself so you know that if you know if you are on your own you are confident and you, you can sexually take care of yourself so yeah you know over this over the 20 years when I speak to women who really enjoy sex and, and maybe you know somebody who really enjoys sex um, yes and, yes I know, do <laughs> and, and if you and if you ta- and if you ask them you know like wh- why do you really enjoy sex they will say something to you to the effect of when I walk into the sexual experience I expect my needs to be met and if they're not met I'll do it myself so basically when they walk in they have a, a very high expectation of what that experience is going to be for themselves. They're going to go in and they're taking their pleasure. Whereas on the other end, and this is the majority of women, when they've been in a a relationship for a while or they've just been having sex for a while, a lot of women just find sex just meh. You know, like it's not great, it's not bad, it's just meh. And It's just what you do. It's it's meh. And and, and so I'm not talking about, so I'm talking not talking about women who are having a physical challenge, like maybe they're undergoing cancer treatments or maybe they have a chronic dry vagina right. or like, so there's nothing about her health or if she has some mental issues, challenges, like she's anxious or depressed. So I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking about an average woman in an average relationship. I, I believe the reason most women feel meh about sex is they take what they're given and they don't ask for anything more. So they just agreed. Yeah. So they just go along. They just go with the flow. And after a while, it just becomes like some like she puts her sexual pleasure second. You know, if she can orgasm, great. And if she can't, oh, well. But her needs always come second to her partners. And because of that, there's just not a lot of motivation for her to want to have sex. So, you know, I think what happens when you start working on your sexual self-esteem, you realize that your, you know, your sexuality is worth it. You are worth it. Like your sexual happiness and feeling sexy and being that person, it's, you are worth it. She is worth it. Um, But the thing is, you know, changing, it's about changing deep-rooted beliefs and taboos that we have about our sexual selves which we've been sort of touching on in this conversation and it's about adjusting adjusting those negative thoughts to be more sex positive ones so you know when we talk about sexy women like this is the crux this is the crux where you know women get so frustrated because like you know they see this woman and she could just be an average looking woman with you know an average body she didn't have to be a supermodel but she she is so sexy and they're like how can that person be so sexy and sexual it's because she has a good sense of her sexual self-esteem and her sensual her sexual self and not that you want to be like necessarily a crazy sexy person, but you do want to have this feeling of 
my, my when I walk into the sex act, what I want matters and my expectations should be met and I should be walking out of that sexual experience fulfilled and satisfied, right? And that's that's the goal. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that feeling sexy is part of that challenge of getting sexual self-esteem? Like if you are not somebody who fits one of society's molds in terms of what is considered sexy, and I'm not saying there is only one because like, you know, lots of people find very curvy girls really sexy and people find, you know, the supermodel type look very sexy or the Kim Kardashian, I guess that could be curvy. But mm-hmm. if you don't consider yourself in one of those so-called buckets, will that really impede your ability to get to a strong sexual self-esteem? No, I no, it's not at all. I, I think it's part and parcel of what sexual self-confidence is, right? So once you start working, it's, it's really, it's just bringing awareness to the importance of your sexual health, right? Like that's really all we're talking about is, is just pulling the curtains back and saying, you know what? Um, my, I'm worth this. Like it's, it's, it's basically it. I'm, I'm worth having this pleasure. I'm worth, worth having this satisfaction. And, when you can make that adjustment in your thinking, that's when the sexy happens. Like it doesn't like it. That's when it all starts. That's when the magic happens. So step one is making the conscious decision to prioritize that in your, in your life overall. Well, you know, yeah, I guess. So I guess the first step is, is taking a look at where you're at with your, sexual self and what that means is taking a step back and starting to look at your sex history so you know looking at you know we we were talking about you know you were having sex at 14 and what that kind of experience was and you know and then when you moved into your 20s so when you start writing down you know the things that you remember from your sexual history the more detailed you can be the the easier it's going to be for you to move forward. So the thing that's that plagues a lot of us is our it's called an erotic template. So an erotic template is basically just all the things that you learned about sex, and we learn we our erotic template starts when we're four, five, and six years old. So all the things that we believe and understand about sex and ourselves really get locked in at those ages. So if you are, you know, if you're struggling with something sexually, chances are if you are able to take a step back and start thinking about when you were that young, I understand that that's like that's a pretty far stretch. But when you can start thinking about, you know, these types of events in your life, like maybe, you know, your your parents never showed affection to one another. Maybe they, you know, fought a lot like these things. Uh, have a huge, huge impact. So a lot of parents, they're fighting about sex. They don't think that the kids can hear, but the kids do hear. And you unconsciously take that in about, oh, you know, sex is about fighting about sex. And then that just stays with you for the rest of your life. And then, you know, when you're trying to be in your own sexual partnership and enjoy it, you, you like you're like, well, why, why can't I completely commit and get vulnerable with this person? 
maybe it's because when you were five years old, you were listening to your parents fight about sex and, you know, like you just can't seem like, like that has to be worked on. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. And it's something I would have never, ever thought of or considered. I don't, I certainly can't remember if I ever heard my parents discuss it, argue about it, um, anything like that. And my parents were like very loving and are still together and they were very affectionate. Um, from what I can remember growing up and my brother and I were very much loved and there was mm-hmm. like just a lot of affection in the house. Yep. So I, I I don't know if that was something that I dealt with, but because I just actually just can't remember. But that's really interesting because I'm sure that it's definitely a part of a lot of people's like sexual growth and they have no idea. Yeah, like, I bet you if like, like Dr. Trina said was to start writing down your sex history I bet you things would come to light like not just your first time but like maybe some of your first memories about or your first um learnings yeah exactly so uh like I'm gonna try this yeah yeah so no so so you write down events in your life like the like just like this is a good place to start you know sexual events sexual sexual events that made you feel very erotic like those really erotic events and then events where it might have made you feel shame. So those, you know, and I, and we all have a couple in our closet where we were like, oh, that was not the best idea. You know, that sort of thing. So you write down these events in your life where you have big feelings around those events. And, you know, when you're writing these things down, really pay attention to how your body is responding and feeling to it. Um you know, and that's going to tell you a lot. So, for example, if you had a really great, you know, sex with somebody and and when you go back and you're thinking about it, instead of feeling pleasure and warmth and tingly, you're thinking like you're feeling more shame, like you're feeling things in your body that, you know, like your, your chest is heavy or your stomach is kind of, you know, going, you know, if you're feeling those negative kind of feelings, you it's a good indication of, you know, what what is stopping you from maybe reaching the next level of your sexual satisfaction, right? So, like, write down, so the, the, it's writing down those big events and your emotional reaction to them. What do you think, like, would you be able to give an example? Maybe it's um, someone that you've encountered, obviously don't need anybody in particular, but just, like, what what would that event look like like why would you have remember having great sex or a great sexual encounter with someone but then start feeling like yeah like the pit of your stomach is dropping out or you're feeling kind of like icky like why what would have happened in that event if it was so great to then take away from that and give you these sort of more negative or shameful feelings. Are you referring to like maybe an affair or something? No. So there is a pretty common phenomena for women. It's called masturbation shame. So Ah. women, they get themselves a nice little product and, you know, they really enjoy it in the moment when they're masturbating with a vibrator that they just picked up and, you know, they're pretty stoked about it because it's a wonderful, wonderful experience and they're enjoying themselves. But the moment that, you know, she orgasms, she starts to feel shame about it. Which doesn't why, make would, it. why do we do that? <laughs> oh, that's, that's, why do some women do that? Yeah. That's the million dollar question, isn't it? 
mean, that's well, let's do like everything a, in our power to prevent this for yeah, anyone. I wonder if that's like a historical or just like I don't necessarily know the word for it, but something that maybe is like kind of innate that is passed down because women weren't really meant to like like you said, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, we weren't really meant to like like sex and enjoy sex, which is such an interesting thing because women also that was like the first kind of currency. But anyway, no, if um, women weren't meant to have it, then we would not have orgasms. Well, I mean, enjoy it or or exactly. want it for their own enjoyment. Well, exactly. But so my point is, like, I wonder if it's just like something that's like passed down over the generations in us. Well, I think that that women societally maybe we're not meant to but like i said if if we were really not meant to our biology would not allow us to have orgasms and feel so fucking good yeah well amen sister (laughs) so (laughs) so this so that what like once you got everything written down um Uh you need to act like a sex therapist so a big part i'm not a therapist but a big part of my job is if anybody comes up to me and tells me about their sexual history, regardless of what that sexual history is, right? Like, you know, it could be really great or it could be awful stuff. But when people come and approach me with their sexual past, I take it in with no judgment. I have no judgment about what they've done in their past. It's the, It really is just the starting point to them moving forward. So when you take a look at what your sexual past is, especially around those things that make you feel shame. You've got to approach it like somebody like me, like it's okay, you know, this is what it is and there's no, there's zero judgment about what has happened. This is simply the starting point to what you are going to become now. So I think that's an important component in taking a look at what you've done and now we're just moving forward with something that is possible. So what we're what we're trying to do here is we're trying to change our negative thoughts towards sex, the shame that we feel, and we're we're turning those thoughts around into something sex positive. And the only way we can do that is just to, you know, not judge what we've done in our past. It's it's just it's done and it's helped us learn, and now we're moving forward. Um, yes. Yeah, I think it, that's a very important thing. And that is the biggest challenge is getting away from the shame like that. This is something that seems almost impossible to do. It comes up in almost every episode that we have. It is involved in almost every facet of our lives. Other people like people that we know, specifically other women like shame is just this like it's a hideous dark cloud. cloud. Yeah. Like, why are we so burdened by it? I by don't shame. understand. And the worst part is it's it's a it's a construct. It's not something that's sitting there. It's relative to everyone. And it's like, why do why do we have to feel it in one aspect in our lives, let alone every friggin' aspect in our lives? And yeah. mostly women. And it's like you're yeah. meant to. Like we're almost taught to feel shame. Like you should feel shame. You should feel shame. like special. Well, especially, especially about sex, especially about sex and being sexual. And the sort of thing is, once you, have, once you have sexual self confidence, like you, like people who tell you you should feel shame, like you're like, screw you. I'm not going well, to do it's that. It's not even. Not, yeah, no. I w- if somebody told me to feel shame about sex, I wouldn't even like acknowledge that sentiment. I wouldn't even understand how to f- 
understand that. <laughs> yeah, but again, you're like not, I don't think you'd be the norm. Like you have a very healthy, confident, sexual grasp. Well, I'm starting to think it's because I masturbate a lot. Good well, for you. Well good done. For you. I know, but <laughs> now that's like after what we're talking about here, I'm really wondering if that's what it's coming down to. Girls, because get your vibrators. You got a hold of your body and like understood it and appreciated it and like enjoyed it early on. And I because of shame and like fear and lack of understanding a lot of women don't well and girls don't and that's the other thing like this isn't really just about women as women you're as an adult like really we should all be like do you like do whatever literally you want. do you literally do yourself <laughs> <laughs> um and love it but when a young woman or a girl is like getting to that point where they're feeling these feelings and they're like, I can't do this. Like somebody will well, know and somebody will judge me and someone will think I'm gross or, and like, that's the other thing. There's like this stigma around masturbation that it's gross. I think it's because like, if you get caught when you're a teenager having a sex, girl. okay. Yeah. Say you're a girl and a boy though. And no matter what, and you get caught having sex and that's one thing you're in it with somebody. It's like, you know, it's one thing, but if you get caught masturbating, you're by yourself. It could be like a really weird thing for your parents to walk into perhaps or something like that. And who's bringing that young girl to get a vibrator? Like, I know I, I went young with my friends and we got our first vibrator and it was so fun. And again, it had like, like that rebellious taboo kind of nature surrounding it. But it was great. Well, I guess there's just like manual stimulation. You don't need yeah, a vibrator. Yeah, no, those, and actually you can't get too addicted to your vibrators. No, there's no such thing. So, so for example, you you going with your girlfriends to go get the vibrators was an experience you put down in your sex history, right? Like it was a, a wonderful experience. It was, you know, you felt great. It felt empowering. You know, like that's something you would put in there. Yeah. Yeah. So that will definitely be going in there. <laughs> but you already had so that to me says that you already like had sexual self-esteem like really early on so that you writing that down your history would trigger like good feelings and like excited and like only like like positive feelings around it like I didn't have that experience young I wish I could go back (laughs) I wish you could take me and bring me that day (laughs) (laughs) I still remember my first vibrator (laughs) <laughs> well, we all got the same one, but it big was. giant thing. <laughs> no, it was got, a little bullet on a one. wire. <laughs> yeah, we all got the same one. They were called White Knights. We loved it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Best thing ever. Anyways, the next step into uh, sexual self esteem, please, Dr. Trina. <laughs> yeah, so like early on in my career, I would have women come up to me and say, you know, oh, I don't like sex. And I would say, well, what are you doing? to make your sex better and they would say nothing and I'm like well honey if you're doing nothing you're gonna get nothing and I I would always roll my eyes and I'm like oh I can't believe these women and that was until I wrote my last book and I was doing the research and I and I found out that women were never asked what we want out of the sexual experience so nobody's ever asked us what what do you want to have happen right and because nobody's ever asked us, we don't really have an answer to, you know, what what do we want to have happen? And so I would say, you know, one of the things that's really, really important for women to start enjoying sex is understanding what she wants to have happen. 
And so when I when I do the seminars, I, I go out into the audience and I say to women, like, what do you want to have happen like that would make sex better for you? And invariably, women will shout out, I want an orgasm or I want multiple orgasms. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with orgasms, but I really feel women should unpack this idea a lot more. So it really so when you look at what you want out of sex, it really is contingent on the age and stage of your life. So, you know, we've been talking about, you know, sex in our early 20s and, you know, the kind of sex that we want in our early 20s it really is about gaining more confidence in ourselves and, you know, we're, we're just in the learning of sex and what we need and want from the sexual experience is very different than when we're in our 30s when typically women have a couple kids, maybe have a career, the dynamics of our sexual experience are very, very different. And, you know, for most women, when we're in our 30s and with little kids and all that, we just want our partner to be, you know, doing the laundry and, you know, helping us out so that we don't feel so overwhelmed trying to do everything and feel sexual. You know, and then when we move into our 40s, mid-40s to 50s, women are start, start going through perimenopause. And the perimenopause is like a, a reverse adolescence so instead of having hormones we're losing our hormones and we're losing our sexual self and our you know we're losing a lot of our libido and things are kind of crazy at that time and then when we move past menopause what we want out of the sexual experience is different again because our bodies have changed they're we're not as you know sexually keen as we used to be we have to instead of waiting you know we have to create desire in our life so so when you look at the age and stage that you're at and you're looking at what do you want from the sexual experience, of course, we all want to have a, a big freaking orgasm. Of course, that's what we want. But <laughs> but I think more so you need to look at what what's going on in your life in that moment. And maybe what you want from sex is, you know, more communication with your partner or, um you know, more touching or more sensuality or, you know, you know, maybe you want, um, you know, more mutual oral sex. I don't know, but it's it's deeper than just having an orgasm. So like the second thing you need to think about is like like if, if you could walk into the sexual experience and it would be the most freaking awesome experience that you could have, what would that look like for you? And, you know, once you can start answering that question, you can start making that happen. Yeah, I think that when you say the women in the audience would just yell out orgasm, I think that's because that is the only thing that like society does put out you put at you is like, oh, you need to have an orgasm. And like you said earlier on in the show is talking about having all these kinds of orgasms and like different ways to orgasm and that we get like so hyper focused on the orgasm that we don't really like consider the rest of it well and the orgasm is the is the end goal but like maybe you don't know the preferences that get you there like like the other types of orgasms or the other type of stimulation and play or like you said dr trina like um, more kissing or you know things like that thanks like, yeah but like even just small things like more touching or like something small to get you to that point but then you realize that is a need that you didn't even consider because you're too focused on getting the orgasm but not really how to get there yeah yeah so it's it's starting to 
put your your wants and desires into the sexual act. And I would say that if you don't know where to start, a good a good place is to understand what is your preferred sense. So you have to help me out because I always there's five senses and I always forget one. So there's touching <laughs> and tasting and hearing. And seeing, seeing and smelling. And smelling. Hey, smelling. I got them all. Yay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the thing is, you know, you if you have, and this goes back again to your erotic template as a child. Like, why do you prefer one sense over the other, and why does that make you feel sexual? So, you know, like for example, I really like music, and there's some music that it goes on, and I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm good to go. Like, let's let's go and like, let's go and have sex now. Like music just has that kind of profound effect for some women it's the tactile oh, definitely it's like a memory burn because it's like yeah, sure. some songs are associated with times that you were feeling sexual whether you're actually having sex or not but maybe you're like dirty dancing which is definitely one of the things i used to do a lot so yeah there yeah. is there is songs that are totally a memory burn and some songs are just hot yeah <laughs> some songs are just hot <laughs> and some singers are just hot yeah <laughs> but some women and like you can listen tactile. to music and have sex with yourself yeah <laughs> yeah so some women like the tactile sensation of you know silky lingerie on their body they like the feeling some women like the the smell of candles like you know or you know that kind of incense some women like to read a little erotica you know by the way if you ever just want to get yourself in, a, in the mood quickly have some erotica sitting by your bedside I mean it's a quick and easy way to get turned on fast but and so I'm just saying understand what you like what is your preferred sense and that will be so explore some stuff maybe yeah that will lead you in a direction don't know what you like yeah maybe that will lead you in a direction of what you want more out of the sexual experience what do you want to have happen right and you know maybe you really get turned on when you send sex to your partner or, you know or maybe you like receiving you sexed sex text sex nudes <laughs> nudes whatever um, whatever floats your boat all that floats my boat <laughs> it's interesting that you said um like for smell candles because i instantly was thinking obviously you mean like pheromones or something like of the man's body but i like that idea having the the candles or the the silk because yeah, everyone thinks lingerie or whatever, but or setting the mood or whatever. But having such a, a full range of things like that, I think, would really open up um, the options for your sex life and really expand it. Well, all the sensory things, yeah, because know, they but- can all they can all tie into an experience maybe from your history that wasn't necessarily sexual, but it was good, and then that just adds to feeling like comfort and ease and. And the layers of sexual expression and pleasure, I think. Like, I ha- I'm i embarrassed to admit, but, like, I read all the Fifty Shades of Grey books, and I uh, gotta tell you. Like, what is embarrassing about that? They're hot. Because <laughs> they're terribly written, that's why. But, um, <laughs> I know, they but got nobody's the point reading across. it for, yeah. They got the point Yeah, across. and that's all that anyone ever read them for. <laughs> yeah, I think that some of the points that you make with the sensory is so like necessary to consider yeah well I just you know like I said women were never were were never asked what do you want so it's like so I'm asking you now what do you want and I'm like and women are like well I don't know I don't know what I want if it's too much pressure I just can't think of anything like I can't think of what I would want so that's just an, an easy place to start is you know which of the five senses and then you can just build from there 
And, you know, that's kind of like really fun homework to determine what you like. Try a whole bunch of stuff. Um, try all the stuff and then seeing kind of narrow down from there. I think I'm going to try this too. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know. Yeah, but I'm excited to see like, maybe I do really like candles. Maybe I do really like silk. <laughs> More than I already know. <laughs> Please tell us step three. Uh, so the next, the next step is, you know, when you decide, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to change my thoughts. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm bringing awareness to this. You know, I've put down some of my past history. You know, I've decided what good sex for me looks like. Inevitably, what's going to happen is all the things that have gotten in your way of enjoying sex are going to come flooding back to you. So, I, so it's about um, understanding your conscious or subconscious blocks or sabotages that you might be doing to yourself, you know, unintentionally that's stopping you from enjoying the sex that that you want. And honestly, for as many women as there are on this planet, there's that many blocks, like how we sabotage ourselves. So I'm going to go through just a a few, but this, this, it's a really limited list because we have limited time, but these are the, the big ones. And, and really, again, it's about where the age and stage that you're out at. So if you're single versus if you're married or if you've been in a relationship for 30 years, I mean, the blocks that you have will be different. So right. I think the big so recognize one, like what stage of life you're at yeah. and then maybe think about if these blocks apply to you or it, what other blocks might apply. Yeah. So I think the big one for all women uh, is stress. And mm-hmm. there's Definitely. been a, many, many studies that have shown a strong link between women having chronic stress and her also having a sexual dysfunction. Not just, not really? just, yeah, it's, it's that profound. I feel like it's the best release, though, relief for all that. Yeah. But if you can't get past the stress, you wouldn't probably think sex is your go-to to help it. So the thing is, yeah. in your body, your body can only produce cortisol, which is the stress hormone, or testosterone, which is your sex hormone. Your body cannot produce those two hormones at the same time. So either you're pres- mm. either you're producing cortisol, the stress hormone, or testosterone, and so if you're constantly um, producing cortisol because you're in a constant state of stress and not ever producing testosterone, obviously that's going to really debilitate your will, want, and desire for sex. Um, so what the cortisol does is it it interferes with your emotional functioning and also your thought patterns so the stress creates negative thought patterns and the more negative thought patterns you have towards sex the less sex the less you want to have sex so it's really if you are a person who's under a lot of chronic stress you might want to start looking at meditation and you know deep breathing and that sort of thing to help you not be as stressed because it is you know really impacting your ability to feel desire I mean, Absolutely. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it totally does. And I know times when I've been stressed and I've literally taken like three, just three breaths, deep breaths, it makes a world of difference. I know it, obviously some people are under way more stress, right? But um, sometimes just slowing down for a second really is helpful. Yeah. And another big one that honestly, I still, 
it just this one really really bothers me fundamentally bothers me um, that we're still in this day and age that women are still doing this it's called spectatoring spectatoring like being so it's like being a spectator to your sexual liaison so what spectatoring is is when you focus on whether you are responding in in an acceptable way during a sexual encounter so you're in the sex and you're like well does my body look okay am i responding properly you know like what am i doing everything right and if you don't if you still don't know what spectatoring means i would say that every woman at some point in her life has faked an orgasm so if you've ever faked an orgasm that's spectatoring right so women get into this really bad habit so many women get into the habit of in faking that she's enjoying sex than she more so than she actually is and she women do it for a lot of different reasons you know like they just don't want to disappoint their partner they don't want to anger their partner they just want sex to be over with over and done there's like a lot of different reasons why women do this but when you when you are in the habit of doing this all the time you you're you're not present in your sex you're in your head thinking about you know am i looking good am i doing it right like you're in your head you're in your thoughts you're not in your body so just be really aware of that you know like the thing is if if that's what is happening and you've gotten into that habit it's really just about being aware when you're doing it and pulling yourself back so that you can start feeling your body instead of being in your thoughts yeah i can definitely relate to that from time to time <laughs> Well, yeah, I know even sometimes when I'm like distracted or thinking about something else during sex, I really have to be like, oh, my God, get out of that thought. Like Absolutely. focus on what you're doing right now and then you can really enjoy it. But otherwise, and I think it's different for women because we can't orgasm, I think, with the same ease that men can. So our heads have to be really present in in feeling the pleasurable moments more so than it is for guys, I think. Yeah, I think sex for women is definitely probably a little bit more of a mental game than a physical game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so so men, so when men, for a man to become aroused, his penis needs to engorge with blood. (laughs) So it takes... Needs a simple thought. (laughs) (laughs) So women, on the other hand, have an entire orgasmic platform. Now, first of all, let's just think about how wonderful that that name is we we have an orgasmic platform and our orgasmic mm-hmm. platform takes between 10 and 15 minutes to become properly aroused so which is the reason why that's, that's important to know yeah that's why I said, yeah well so but, but a lot of women we skip the foreplay right like we're like oh you know what i'm tired i'm just gonna skip the foreplay so when you skip the foreplay you are having intercourse with an unaroused collapsed vaginal tubes and you know yeah so like you you know your vag (laughs) never known any of this so your vag she's working really hard for you she's trying to help you but honestly you have to throw her a bone like if you really you know it's it's about properly arousing your orgasmic platform in order for you to enjoy the sex so i mean if you're inside your head and not in in your body it's really difficult for for that part of your body to become properly aroused, if that makes sense. Total well, that's sense. Good to know, and I think that we should be telling men 15 minutes to get that platform going. Yeah. And that doesn't get to mean, work. like, aggressively. 15, 15, 15, 15, yeah. 
So no, no, but that means some focus on on uh, the female for fifteen minutes minimum. Yeah, and like overall, not At just first. like one area. Like I want a little bit of a massage. Does nobody want- watch Friends? Like there are seven erogenous zones. Remember the episode when Monica is like seven, seven, seven. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> there are all these erogenous zones, and it does take like. I think it's just so hard for guys because they just have no relation to what we our bodies feel and like it's so hard like we're just so different like, well yeah and and god forbid like they know instantly where the clitoris is or anything thing like that you know what I mean but they also don't need to get to the point that we need to get to and that's why it's harder for them because they're like well I'm already ready like what do you mean like what do you mean well, they're ready in two seconds. Like, I, they get a boner in a split second. Like, they could be walking down the street and if some wind grazed it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> we need to be like <laughs> touched, massaged. Gale force winds. Yes. Gale force winds for 15 minutes. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Anyways. We, we get distracted sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so no spectatoring, no stress. Well, I mean, you know, like these are chronic, these are, chron- these are these are chronic things and they don't change overnight, right? It takes a long time for, for these sure. things to to write themselves. So another big one that women tend to do is ob- obligatory sex. So ha- obligation mm. sex where you know, sex may be initiated. She doesn't necessarily feel like it at the moment, but she goes along with it because she feels guilty or she doesn't want to start a fight or, you know, and I, and so it's, so the, what I want to say to women about this is, you know, they've done research to show that women cannot compartmentalize her day and then move into sex. And so no matter you know, yeah. so hallelujah. So most that women, a, sorry to interrupt, but that's a very, very important point. And I think even if you've been in a relationship for a long time, that is something that needs to be like continually communicated with to like to your partner, uh, especially if he's a male, because it's just like it is just a thing. Like, I don't really know how else to say it. And well, I think she it's just something, said it. It's research and science prove it. I know, but men aren't doing research and science yeah so, so well, this th- is where the 15 minutes come in like maybe <laughs> getting that massage take can get Distract you out of your head me. for a minute yeah. and then you can get into the mood and i just another comment on the obligatory sex is um and this is something that i've countered in, encountered in my life is that like you do kind of feel bad and it or it's also just to shut them up like at times <laughs> like okay god leave me alone here you go here's fine. two minutes of a and, pump and then you're good <laughs> yeah like just get away yeah. and let me get on with my business or my day but i think that is something that i've learned over the years is like no i can say no and you shut the hell up when i've said no yeah, like yeah. don't pressure me don't bug me and 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 this has never been in a situation where i felt like frightened or like fearful right, or anything right. it's been completely like safe but it's just like you do as women we're so eager and like feel obligated to please that like saying no is like oh then they'll be mad and they'll be upset but no, now but they it's also like, no i'm just saying no yeah no other explanation is yeah. required take it and go yeah because <laughs> i know for a fact like i've been guilted there's been times when i don't want to have sex and they, they're like oh and and you're like why are you can feel guilty right now like no yeah Yeah. it's my damn body and my damn body says no and why do you want me when i'm like no yeah and that's the other thing like how is this enjoyable for you yeah you know i'm lying here loathing right now (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you guys certainly have some opinions on this one. <laughs> Sometimes we go off. Yeah, sorry about that. No, no. So the We're same, not apologizing. So the, the same research uh, showed that um, even if you don't necessarily are, feel like it at the time, so you're, you're like, I don't feel like this, once you start doing the body motions it's, it's similar to muscle memory when once you start doing the body motions it helps get you into the sexual act so um you might have had the experience where sex was initiated and you didn't feel like having sex but and but then you started going through the motions and then halfway through you're like hey this isn't so bad i don't mind doing yeah, this right too. It, it happens more more than not <laughs> yeah so the thing about ob- ob- obligatory sex is like there's this resentment that's towards our partner about having it because we don't feel like it clearly you know but i i just want to put out there that you know chances are when sex is initiated no matter what you probably won't feel like having it but once you start going through the motions it probably will turn out okay it won't be maybe the best sex of your life but it will, will probably turn out okay so i think it's about turning this idea of uh, like the resentment into something like, okay, well, I wonder how sex is going to turn out this time. Cause I really don't know. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Like it, it does, you know, but if you go in with a, a bad attitude, chances are it's not going to be as great as it possibly can be. Well, and just to go with that, I will go back to saying maybe, um, if, if, uh, we can teach our guys to kind of ease us into the moment, especially if we are feeling a little hesitant, at the time, I know for a fact the second I, if I'm not in the mood of anything, but if I start being touched, I'm instantly in the mood. So just like if you find your partner's um, go-to or if you know something that works, like just put in that little bit of effort and then it's no longer obligatory. Yeah. So this yeah. is so this is one of those things on your list of, you know, what do you want out of the sexual experience? This is what you want. When you walk in, you want to be touched by your partner. So this is something that you... Yeah. In order for you to enjoy sex, this needs to happen, right? Like, that would be on your list. Yeah. And this is something that, like, I tell my partners, like, if this is what it takes, this is this is your key, like, the, to get into the door. Like, do this. And so I think that's something that we, on our list, should be with the, our needs and our wants are telling our partner that so then they know how to do that for us. Yeah, and but your hashtag goals for having like sexual self esteem. So I think it's that is well, a work in progress for a lot of women still too. Like so, I think following these steps are probably a good way to get to that point because I think for some people, like it is still challenging for them to even even if they've been in a long term relationship to say like this is what I want and this yeah, is what I want yeah. it to be like and when we're done, this is how I want to feel and like I. You know, we have friends in our lives that have a lot of struggles with just like sexual encounters and like and they've been for a long time. And yeah, and they are starting to maybe convince themselves that they're asexual, but I think they're just not having the experience that they could have. Yeah, I I know that after this, um, we're going to tell all of our friends to well, they're listening right now. But I mean, yeah, (laughs) I want all of our friends to do that. I want every single woman I know giving everyone a notebook and saying writing write it down it's their christmas present a notebook for your sex <laughs> yeah <laughs> tell me what you want <laughs> tell jess what you yeah. want <laughs> i'm like i want that too <laughs> <laughs> they're actually for jess's like yeah own erotica um <laughs> i never even thought of that one 
No, I thought it all. I watch a lot of porn. <laughs> so, so once you get over some of those blocks, then you can move into step four. Yeah. So this is this is and this is the hardest step, right? This is you actually putting your sexual needs first, or at least putting your sexual needs as as equals and. So it's really about understanding what you want and then going and talking to your partner about what you what needs to be different in the sexual encounter. And if I was to say one the one thing, the one thing that stops women from having the type of sex that she deserves is her inability to ask for it. You know, it's just it stops women in her tracks each and every time and I and I get it so I remember when I first um, married my husband we had gone through the honeymoon phase and you know we were we were past the honeymoon phase and I and I noticed that we had stopped kissing a lot and I missed it and at the time I was going to graduate school and I was I was taking a course on sexual communication, so I thought, okay, well, here's my opportunity to to put all this into practice. So I did all the things that I you know I was told to do in the course, you know, not you know use eye language and not have it inside the conversation inside the bedroom, and you know like you know bringing it up as neutral and all this stuff, right? And I just remember I brought it up to him, and and he did what I think most women fear when they bring up their sexual needs to their partner. He stomped out of the room, stomp, 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 and he sulked for the rest of the day, right? And and I just, you know, and I remember oh, wow. and I remember thinking, you know, did I do this wrong? Like I thought I followed the steps. I thought that's how you're supposed to communicate productively. Like what did I do wrong? And um and so the next but the thing is the next time we had sex. We kissed a lot. And three months later, now I don't know about your, anybody else's husband out there, but I know my husband will never admit that he's wrong. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so three months later, he said to me, you know what? That's become my favorite part now. So, well, no, so well, I think because he also probably appreciates how important it is to you. Yeah. yeah, if he truly loves you and cares about you and cares about your pleasure, it's important. But it's interesting that you say that he reacted that way because I guess for a lot of men, like like women are taught, like oh, you know, you shouldn't really have this big sexual appetite. Men are taught you are totally allowed to have a sexual appetite and any kind of sex that you do or have or want is right and good and like good yeah you're good at it and that's just not the case and so that was probably a huge like ego hit for him which is the initially wrong way to view sex with a partner like it should be so fluid and open and obviously not an attack you know yeah well but but a couple things i want to point out first of all when things went sideways i blamed myself and i think that's what women do we blame our, like, what did I do wrong? Like, I, you know, but in, but really, I didn't do anything wrong. I just brought up my, what I wanted, right? And it was a pretty innocent, yeah. it was a pretty innocent ask, right? But then. Unless you were like mean about it. No, then, no, I was. Which I'm sure you weren't. No, no, <laughs> no, I, I, no, I certainly wasn't. And, but, and I also think that, um, that, you know, if, if he wouldn't have addressed it, if nothing would have happened, I, you know, I don't think I would have gone back to that subject again. I wouldn't have demanded it. I just would have 
let it drop, right? But luckily, things did change. But um, I think as women, you know, if that if it's something that's important to us, we have to stick to our guns and say, you know what, this is really important to me, and I want this to be happening in order for me to enjoy this better, right? And and it's sticking, and and that's honestly that's the tough part is is really sticking to our convictions about what is important to us to make sure that our sexual needs are being equal in the bedroom and and that takes yeah. a lot of and you know it takes a lot of courage and for women to be able to step up and do it but once once she does you know like if i can just give a tie like a, another quick little story you know if i fast forward 8 years and i was I just had my second child, so I had a two-year-old and a brand-new baby. And um, I, for whatever reason, maybe a fit of insanity, I decided to blog about getting my sex life back on track. So I was writing this blog, and I was proactively trying to have sex and because mostly because I was writing the blog and I had to like do something. <laughs> so, but it was, yeah, it was everything it. like, but honestly it, it was just going sideways and nothing was working. And I remember my husband complaining that we weren't having enough sex. And I'm like, Holy hell, are you kidding me? I'm doing everything in my power right now to make this happen. And all you can do is complain about it. So I remember I sat back and I thought, you know, I have to have a discussion with him about this. And even though we'd been together for, you know, eight or nine years at that point, we had a couple kids, we'd had many, many discussions finding the courage within me to have that conversation with them you know even though I do this for a living this is what I do for a living it was a really tough conversation you know I said you know if you want me to be more interested in sex and have more sex you have to step up and I need you to do these mm -hmm. things in order for me to to actively engage and you know like I remember I I, I will uh, you know after having that conversation I walked away having that sexual self-confidence, right? Having that sexual self-esteem because I put my needs up there. And I just, I wasn't, it was, as I say, like, you know, I, I said it with conviction and I was not backing down, probably because I was just so pissed off that he was yeah. complaining, you know, I was like, what, what do you mean? I'm doing everything how I can. Dare you? Like, no, what honestly, you how could you come? How could you? How could you complain about this? But so maybe that's why I was feeling that conviction. But I, but what I want to point out is the the feeling the, of confidence just because I I said it and I did it and I wasn't going to back down. Um, it made all the difference, right? And, and yeah, that simple act of expression, yeah, owning it. Well, so you're talking about putting your needs first, expressing yourself. But you're saying, um, and in the stories you've just said, mention, you know, having a separate discussion outside of the bedroom. When I, when I picture putting my needs first and expressing myself, I picture it and, and I act it like right there and then in the moment. Is that not something you recommend? No, I mean, how, whatever works for you, right? Um, like okay. everybody's different. How they interact with their partner is different. How you communicate with your partner is different. Like, your comfort whatever your comfort level is whatever however you choose to communicate it's right it's just different you know and, and lots of, there's lots of different ways to do it and I think that like it's both like you need to have the conversation outside of the bedroom for some people because it is it 
kind of needs to be taken seriously sometimes. And if this is how you're really feeling and what you really need and want yeah. to be satisfied and like really enjoy it to its fullest potential, it, it might need to be like a real like conversation first, not while you're in the moment, because it is also it's easy to get carried away. Yeah. And also it depends on there are obviously a little more in depth issues and it can be delicate and like yeah ego and feelings can get hurt whether if that's the case like well too bad get over it kind of thing but in my opinion for the man but at the same time you want to have a conversation you want them to have the opportunity to like respond and give their viewpoints as well because maybe they're missing something too and therefore you're missing something because of that so i also just think like in this conversation it's really interesting to consider that your sexual health is just as important as like any of the other healths that you deal with, like your, your diet, mental health, yeah. your physical health, your diet health. Like because if that area is lacking, then it could lead to other it areas. It does lead to it. Well, we I know can, for you, yeah, okay, majorly, real issue. It is a real issue. If there are lulls in moments, like I feel like I'm going crazy. And I think it's okay to like treat it as important as other health things in your life because or areas of health because it we're human like it's just part of our lives and yeah this is our biology yeah and um i think that's a conversation that needs to be had too because i think that's something that people are too like afraid to actually say is like well i need my sex health on point yeah just like i need my (laughs) we need a sexual health month (laughs) yeah we really do well well there's master there's masturbation there's masturbation month so there is yeah it's february i believe it's february but yeah we're in it (laughs) just get busy (laughs) she's busy i'm busy (laughs) um but yeah so i mean that is really interesting information and like really important and as much as sex is about the physical, it's also about the verbal, I think, like getting to that point, like having those conversations. Yeah. And so the final step is is your sex marathon in the middle, which simply means, you know, sex is not a race. It's a marathon. You know, most women can be sexual for 60 to 70 years of her life. That's a long time. And so that is a long time. It is a long time. And so once you start once you start raising your expectations about what your sex life must be, that you're worth it and you know that your partner that you and your partner are going to work out that your needs are equal in the bedroom. Um there's going to be a lot of shit that hits the fan in your life. You know like you're going to go through illness your partner's going to, you know, go through something. You're going to lose a job. You're going to have, you know, like there's so many Children. things. There's going to be so <laughs> many things that will happen that will create a new block to you really enjoying your sexuality. So it's really keeping that momentum like instead of just falling saying, "Oh, you know what?" So here's here's an example. So uh, when uh, 80% of women, once they reach menopause, so in perimenopause and menopause, 80% of women will experience a dry vagina. That's a significant amount of women, which means, and it's, you know, it, it depends on too many women. Yeah. So, de- you know, it just depends on the person, but, you know, it can be just a mild dry vagina to a, like a really chronically dry vagina which which may which means that intercourse will hurt 
right? The intercourse yeah. is no longer pleasurable. So these women just say, well, you know, that's how my body is. And they're too scared to go to their doctor. They don't know what to do with it. So they just keep their mouth shut and they stop enjoying sex. So this is one of those blocks that's easily fixable. You can easily go to your doctor and talk to your doctor about what you can do for your condition. So, th so there are a lot of things that will happen over our lifetime that will be a, 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 mo a momentary setback. But we just have to be aware that, you know, it's, it, most, most things can be fixed or there's a workaround or there's something there that are, and, and we still need to keep, make sure that our uh, sexual needs are being met. And, you know, our sexual happiness and satisfaction is still a priority. So it's, it's, so step five is just making sure that throughout the rest of your life, when you see something happening that's stopping you from enjoying sex as much as you possibly can, instead of just, you know, letting it happen, you proactively do something about it so that you can still move forward and enjoy sex well into your 80s and 90s. Wow. That that's seems, goals. That's goals. <laughs> yeah, that seems crazy to me. I mean, and that's assuming you have a partner that's able to perform as well because I think that's when you know the men come into having some issues and yeah but women live longer than men so we'll trade those old guys in for a younger hot model yeah, but right. you know what I've, I you know what there's a new trend among older women now where women are getting with women in their like past when they're in their 60s they're like really? yeah, oh, yeah they're like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm going to bat for the other team. I'm going to try this one out. And so women are... 40 years of men is... Yeah. Uh, I get that. Yeah. That's the limit for women. We're <laughs> yeah. done. We've put up with enough. So, I mean, enough not obligatory even, sex. Yeah, we're not even lesbians. <laughs> we're just over the D. <laughs> <laughs> women are resourceful. <laughs> that's why we live longer. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a really... That's a stat I did not know. Me neither. <laughs> That's wow. interesting. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> is that like because they do the men like is that if you become a widow or are they divorcing or like what is I just I just how think is that happening? I just think that women <laughs> like it's just a lot more acceptable now for yeah, for sure for people to be they already were. Yeah, to be more it's just more acceptable for people to be fluid. And I just think women like maybe they've always felt it. They've always wanted to try it. But there never was that possibility for them. But now they're at a place in their life where they're like, you know, like the thing is, once you get to a place where you're in your, your 50s and 60s, you aren't as self-conscious about what people think of you. So you do tend to move into, you know, being a lot, little bit more confident about yourself and your sexuality. And I think these women just move into that space and they're like, you know, what? I, I've always wanted to try this. I've always been curious and now I'm going to do it. Right. So they do it. Well, I guess them. you've hit your sexual self-esteem stride at that point where you hope at least yeah. you have, like they have or you have. And, and yeah, like it may not be like a, like any kind of like or homosexual tendency. It's just that you're curious and you're like, eh, I've done it all anyway. Let's try the next thing. <laughs> Let's do this now. Yeah, and they probably did live with a guy for many, many years. Yeah, like, like no, nope. I paid my dues. <laughs> We love men. We, we just love, love teasing men. I'm them. married. I have two boys. I love men. Jeff loves men. 
as I've said before, but enough for the both of us, um, all three of us, in yeah. fact. But um, we just but love yeah, teasing. We do. We love our guys, and and we're lucky enough to have like men in our life that are really open and understanding. And like my husband <laughs> obviously openness. knows I do this podcast, and he's like, "Oh God, what yeah, are we, what are we talking about this week, ladies? More, um, some sex." <laughs> but he's really like he like he's really good about it, and and he's learned stuff too. So. I think that that's our goal. Education. Everybody needs to just be a little bit more open to learning and listening. Honestly, and I think the things that we covered here today will help so So many many women. Um, They've helped us. I can already tell you, I feel better. (laughs) I I feel I'm excited to, to put some of these things into practice and like learn even more and see what else I can find to like and. Um, I, I think that like for some people who maybe, um, don't have the highest sexual self-esteem, I can't wait for them to hear this information. Yeah. And I feel like a little bit more validated. Like I, I feel I'm in a good place sexually and with my sexual self-esteem, but like just some of the things that we talked about, like, I'm like, okay, like that, that was not me just being different or like it, it just validated some of the feelings that I had and thoughts that I've had before. So I really appreciate that. That's good. I always find that when there's a room full of women, when I have a room full of women and we all get to see what the other is doing and we talk about it and we discuss it, women start to feel normal. And that's what this is about. Oh my it's God, just so helping true. women feel normal about where she's at in her, her sexuality. And I think the more we can normalize yeah. this and take the stigma away, the better like everybody everybody wins everybody wins yeah it's hugely empowering that's for sure and guess what for all the guys too um when we have our higher self-esteem sexually who's winning there as well you know everybody benefits yeah Yeah. (laughs) absolutely well this has been so informative as we just covered and I mean, as always, we want to just talk forever, but we won't. We will wrap up. We will let you go. But we Um, appreciate so, so much you coming here today and spreading your wealth of knowledge and helping all of the women that will hear this because I know for sure that it will. Yeah. And is there anything else that you want to touch on? No, this this is it. You know what? Maybe we can do a, another podcast about something. We would like, love there's that. Like, there's thousands and thousands of things we can yeah, talk about. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> we'll do another part. That's for sure. We're, we're holding you to it. It's now recorded. <laughs> yeah, we have it on record. <laughs> you promise. This is actual evidence. Um, well, the, if, with that being said, we'd love you to like tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, um, you know, list the books that you have available. Um, just your yeah, seminars. Yeah. Give everybody some information on how they can get more information on you and from you. So I have my website, trunareed.com, and I post things on my Facebook um, mostly daily and Twitter. So it's Facebook's backslash Dr. Trina Reed and, and Twitter backslash Dr. Trina Reed. And what I like to do is put um, things that people talk about because I want people to talk about sex in a non-threatening way. So I always try and find things that are interesting that people go, hey, did you know that this woman tried to make bread out of her yeast, her vaginal yeast? Like, who would do such a thing? Like, I, I try and post those kind of articles so that people... Was that go, a thing? It's a thing. It's a, a woman actually who tried... would do that? Yeah, a woman tried to actually successful? make bread out of her vaginal yeast, which is disgusting. 
disgusting, but honestly, you just can't How did she even harvest it? I don't know. I feel like you need a lot of yeast. <laughs> I feel like I don't want to know that. <laughs> Who's eating Thanks, that? Dr. Reed. Oh, you're welcome for that. Anyways, uh, so, but I am working on my next book, which is called Amy Finds Her Sex, and it's about four women who take a sexuality course and their adventures taking this course and it, it's it's a fiction and it's turning out to be really fun and um awesome. I, yeah so that's my next project fantastic and do you have any conferences coming up or seminars not uh here in the west yeah but not out in the east but yeah absolutely i'm you know i'm i'm always doing uh private seminars so you know people people come and hire me to do their to talk to their groups which is usually what i do and you'll post all of those that on information website. on your website yeah and everything, right? yeah so that's okay. all up there too great great well, that's great thank you again so much for being here uh we can't tell you how appreciative we are for you taking the time and uh we'll be posting about the episode and so and thank you and we'll talk to you soon okay ladies thanks for <laughs> yeah. having me on thanks so much dr trina Oh, <laughs>